Hello, and welcome to the Story Wagon Podcast, where we talk about life, story, and spiritual health. I am your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and you can learn more about this podcast at our website, storywagon.org. You can also show us your support on our Patreon page so that we can continue to host this podcast and create resources that help our communities develop good spiritual health. Welcome. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Story Wagon. Uh, I'm your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and today I have a special guest with me. His name is Mervyn Sievright. He is a poet. Uh, and his poetry is unique in that it focuses on a lot of spiritual health issues uh, that we here at Storywagon we are very concerned with. And as you know, uh, I am currently on uh, a mission for the U.S. Air Force, and so uh, uh, out here in Germany, and uh, been meeting a lot of interesting people. So Mervin is uh, living out here in Germany. Uh, Mervin, well, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Pleasure to be here. So Mervyn, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what it is that you do uh, with your poetry? So for me, I think that poetry has been one of those things that was given to me as a gift and is simple as is, I mean, God gives us all gifts. It's just a lot of times we don't know um, what that gift is. And even when we have the gift, it's how do we utilize it? And do we utilize it for um, other people? So for me, first it was just something that helped me through things. But as time has gone on, it's how can I help influence change, bring awareness to different subjects, um, those tension points that we have in our lives. Um, the more we have uh, information about it or insight, or even the, the connection in the room, because even when I teach, um, I tell students that even though I may influence a few people in the room, it could be a room of a thousand, I may only influence 10, but their story may influence a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's story matters. So it's not who's better with the writing, it's whose story impacts. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that everybody's story matters, and hence the name, our, our name, <laughs> Story Wagon. Um, so with, with that, uh, have you always, like when you were growing up, were you always uh, that way in, that, in the poetry or interested in writing like that? So my story, I would say, is pretty unique um, in the fact that I was born in England to Jamaican parents that came to England after the migration called the Windrush Migration mm-hmm. that happened after World War II in the late 40s into the 50s. Um, my family, my father came in the late 50s to England, my mother um, like 64. And from that, it created this influence based on um, a very Caribbean style foundation, um, very prideful. Um, very oriented in family in such a way. And from there, uh, my mother met my stepfather, um, who was in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And from there, moved to America when I was 10 and moved around with my stepfather in the Air Force. And later, I went in the Air Force and live in that life where, you know, a lot of us do um, in this environment. We become nomads. 
but I realized I traveled as much for poetry as sometimes I did for the Air Force, or when the Air Force would send me places that I would interact with people through poetry in locations just to, you know, to give a random occurrence. Um, well, in a, a TDY to Slovakia, and that was before they became part of the EU, um, one of the translators we had, um, I ended up writing music lyrics for his band that some they kept in English and some they transferred into Slovakian. So mm -hmm. how that art form can create relationships, um, it may be different than um, the average poet that comes out because now I'm peeling from all these different influences to, to write the way I do. The base roots of what I learned growing up of how to care for other people and the sense of community has probably been one of the larger influences. And my mother, um, for her, through her relationship to God, she gave me that same kind of strength that the way that she would help people, I felt like that even when she passed on, she handed me that torch to be able to continue to do that for others. Mm -hmm. So uh, poetry is allowed to be my bridge um, to work with teenagers, um, to work with youngsters in school, and to even work with adults and the things that they go through. Right. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, so you're getting, you were gaining this experience in the Air Force, encountering all these different folks uh, here in uh, uh, different countries and, and, and experiencing different cultures. And, but it seems to me that it seemed like that your poetry or the poetry in general can like break down those barriers uh, to, to uh, communication uh, as from what I'm hearing you saying and then uh, utilizing that skill to kind of like bridge, bridge that gap as you said uh, to teens and young adults and, um, and even older adults. And as it looks right now, what is it that you're using your poetry for? You know, uh, you So currently, um, there's different projects that I've previously worked on. Um, like uh, there's a book called Blood, Tears, and Hope. And the focus of that book was to face things that, or deal with things, or bring awareness to things rather, uh, to uh, events that may happen in our life that usually we don't get involved in until the point in which it touches us the closest. Mm -hmm. So, and when I say, you know, the kind of events, it deals with anything from cancer issues, postpartum depression, oh, wow. it deals with rape. Um, there's a chapter in the series on the events that happened in New Orleans um, uh, when they went through the flooding. And um, for me, even that, um, it was very close to me because I was supposed to perform there the day it was flooding. I was doing a poetry tour while I was on use and lose leave around the States. And I used to perform in New Orleans quite a bit when I first started doing performance poetry. So um, the I did a series of what they call persona poems, and that tends to be my largest influence. What So what persona poems are, are poems that are written from other voices and other perspectives, right? And you're basically putting yourself in those voices. Mm. And I put myself in the voices of situations of five different people in New Orleans and what they were going through. Um, 
when I went back to England, because I was stationed in England at the time, in London, they were trying to do fundraisers for this event, you know, or for the things that happened in New Orleans. But um, when you're able to read poems from the voices of those people, you can capture something in that dimension that you can't catch watching an event through the news or on television. And it was for that that we were able to raise that much more money and bring that influence to people. Um, So the gift that's been given is um, the perspective to write persona pieces because even several of the the poems I've done addressing uh, rape and abuse, um, I've been able to um, use persona poems to speak that. Well, then there's the question is, you know, how can a guy speak from that perspective? To me, the only way I can explain it is the gift from God because I've had counselors from uh, places that help women and they've read these pieces and there's like, how did you gain that perspective? Because you actually hit it um, where there's the the identification of guilt that to me is not the woman's guilt. And there's many men that come and look at that perspective when they see those kind of events occur. Mm-hmm. And um, as I mentioned, counselors didn't see that in my writing. They saw the perspective that they experience when these women come to them. So for that to come to me, I, like I said, I only can give that to God of how those words mm. uh, were shaped in those persona poems. Yeah, and it seems like it, it could be a, like a resource for helping uh, people to move through either either a grieving process or just a process, what's, what's feelings that they're feeling inside. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about on the show uh, about this concept about moral injury. And one of the things about moral injury is that uh, the person that, that is suffering moral injury, so like if this person went through a traumatic experience that transgressed their moral values, whether they were the perpetrator of this particular event or if they were a survivor, like, like a rape victim, uh, that they would be uh, experiencing these deep emotions of guilt, shame, um, isolation, alienation, right. things like that. So it, it could also be a tool for uh, a therapist or uh, to, to help explain, you know, some of those concepts. So, and, and, and you mentioned about uh, God in this whole process. So how, do, how does spirituality weave itself into your words uh, within your work of poetry? Um, in some pieces, it's, it's very apparent. Um, in some, it's just based on what's given to me. Um, even for me and my connection to certain churches, um, it's not always a solid experience because um, the way that I see what God gave us um, sometimes is not very apparent in some of the churches I've seen. Mm-hmm. But my relationship to God um, is is based on one of me and faith and you know reading his word to be able to understand that faith but how does that come in interpretation in words and experiences so um, the best for me is how to garner those experiences and how to push those experiences for change um, so where it's not apparent necessarily in some of the writing then it's apparent on maybe the delivery or what that works used for. Um, like there's a series that I wrote about um, children from Africa and through the voices of each one of their experiences and what they go through. Mm-hmm. And these things aren't 
um, used necessarily in national news or how we're going about those things. Um, like there was something that was brought up recently about um, Nestle and some others being sued for um, working with uh, conflict uh, chocolate plantations mm. um, out of the Ivory Coast. Mm -hmm. And there's a poem that I have that was uh, one um, second runner-up in a competition, and it was called Can You Chase the Ivory Coast Chocolate? Mm. And it was dealing with speaking from the voice of, or speaking about a boy's journey that was kidnapped from a neighboring country and used on a chocolate plantation and the things that he had to go through. And I did the research for this um, through a series of videos, um, a lot of reading, um, and there was one interview that was really uh, made an impact to me in writing this piece. And in the interview, they asked um, the boy that had now, you know, he's a young man and had escaped that life. And there's like, when you think of um, the chocolate that's produced by these manufacturers, he's like, uh, how do you feel about the chocolate? He says, they taste my blood. Mm. So when wow. things like that stick, then again, it's, it's not that God may be apparent in the words, it's how can I use the influence to bring these things, bring them to more awareness, mm -hmm. bring these events out um, so that um, I can help influence change on yeah. a global spectrum and God can use me um, in, in that way to do those things. Oh, wow. That is so powerful. I mean, there's so many things in, just in that story that you shared about uh, systemic things. Um, it's, it makes me wonder, like, what is your process as you are meditating or um, as you're thinking about the next uh, piece of work that you're going to be working on? What is your um, your your process to come to that point of saying this is what I'm being led to write about, you know, sort of thing. Uh, is there a process? How does that work for you? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the two main body bodies of work that I'm working on. Um, one is dealing with my life transition to America from the ages of 10 to 18. Um, the second is I went further on the series about um, the boys in Africa to a larger series dealing with um, anything from the joys all the way to the traumas of children, um, but from a global aspect mm -hmm. and covering their stories, their individual stories. And those are the two that I'm trying to push to publishers um, this summer. Um, so they may take a while, but um, what tends to happen with poetry is um, we send stuff to individual journals, either national um, or international, mm -hmm. um, to get stuff individually pu published. And then from that, it builds a reputation to the writer. And then publishers want to publish the whole body of work. So those two are my main focus. And the, the one on with children, it's during a time frame like what we're in now, in the events of George Floyd, I think one of the things that happened to me um, after that, when we were having some of the conversations that we had on base, talking about how does, do these things affect us, one instant was made where um, an individual was saying, yeah, I've got to share this relationship with my child about the things that 
um, we're going through. And I was like, how old is your child? And he said like age 13, 14. Mm. And I was like, well, for me, um, with a young black male as a son, um, we started teaching him when he was five. Oh, wow. And it's it's a life thing. So even with um, the meditation, you, you pray for the things of your, your child. And, you know, so the constant is like, how can I see the glories and, you know, the glories and possible events that could happen to him? And even though, you know, we say, or I may say that for me, um, there's prayer that you pray for your family and pray for that well-being and in those things on a daily basis, you kind of look to try and push those things in the right direction. But one thing that was addressed, and I ended up writing a poem about it, um, was for um, black parents, do we raise our children out of wisdom or out of fear? Mm. And so the piece kind of wrestles with that. And the thing is, you know, the spirituality in that is that it can be done with wisdom. Mm. But even though there's faith there, there's still a level of fear. Yeah. So how do you wrestle with that? Um, so in that base relationship, now that's what's allowing me to look at those relationships with how others are coming. Because um, it's easy to look at the events of what we see in video, but when we look at what parents are children, you know, telling their children uh, how to uh, mitigate these circumstances, um, that having a relationship with God is important, but as well as um, you still need to recognize these things of men mm-hmm. and how we deal with that balance. Um, those things aren't talked about. Those things aren't addressed out in public. You can't catch a video with those things. Mm. Um, how to, to deal with the natural majority that may not have intent, it may be indirect, but those are still in, you know, events and things that you have to deal with that tend to push the strength. And it's the prayer that builds the strength, mm-hmm. right? Um, but how, how stories come to me, um, I can't explain it. Um, I've never been able to explain it except for God. Um, and I, I don't know if it's the natural prayers. I don't know if it's how I reach for it. It's just God has always put me in, in that path. And the, the times where I haven't had that relationship with God as much, those stories don't come. So to me, it's, that's what it's been for me. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like any other gift. And it, when we talk about, you know, in the Bible, it talks about gifts. The more we use them for its purpose, they come in fruition. But when we don't, right, um, and we abuse them, mm-hmm. then they fall off to the wayside and we wonder why. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been more of that for me. And that's the only way I've ever been able to explain it. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, you, that story reminds me of you being a, a modern mystic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know that was a round way of, of, of answering, you know, because I kind of went no, uh, a lot good. of different angles with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all those kind of mesh 
in my head right. as I go through. Because you asked about process, all those things are being processed. Yeah, that's so. well, and, and and it is your process, you know, right. sort of thing. And uh, you know, for anybody that's out there listening, you know, it's I, I hope they gain from that is that they they need to find their own process to connect, and that's what what it seems like that you're connecting with your spiritual self. Uh, so with, with that in mind, are you, you've written some books and you're, you're doing some events. Are, what are events that are happening that you're, that you're looking forward to in the future? Um, so I tend to get involved in different types of um, either giving lectures because um, uh, I hold an MFA that allows me to teach uh, creative writing, um, poetry, stuff like that at a university level. Um, I'm also involved in different panels. Um, I teach workshops and uh, or people will put together anthologies for different purposes. Um, so one of those events that I have coming up um, is dealing with uh, cultural mental health, a uh, large focus on black mental health out of England and in America. and. For the event, it's actually um, three American poets. Um, the, the event is hosted out of Peterborough, England. Um, and I think with those that are involved, the, the three features, which is myself and um, a Catrice, I'm trying to remember her last name, Karen, um, and what I'll do with that is try and get the information for the event um, to you, and that way you can, if you want to advertise that, um, because it's through Zoom and Facebook, but there's two large foundations or organizations that kind of push these. There's one called uh, Shroud to Racism. Um, out of Shroud, England, and the other one called Louder Arts, which is a partnership between a group out of Nashville and the group out of Peterborough. And between both sides of the pond, um, they put on a lot of events for um, marginalized folks or, you know, uh, different situations that come up to, to bring attention to um, events that happen to um people that are marginalized, whether it be for disabilities, whether it be for culturally, um, all those things that, you know, don't necessarily get the attention, that need a louder voice, therefore that's how it got the name Louder Arts, mm. um, tried to push those events. And I'll push both of those uh, Facebook groups because they're always looking for more people to kind of take the wheel and push, push things out. And they, between both, they do get a pool for several thousand people. So um, they are doing some major influence uh, where they are. That's so, so amazing. Just right. just to see how uh, extensive, you know, a systemic issue like racism spreads, you know, and, and that how two different cultures and two different continents are, are working together, people from those respective communities coming together to uh, not only bring awareness, but also to uh, be the change as, as it were. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, promote that from our end. Uh, so what, what, are some other things that, um, that you are looking forward to do? Like, like it, you, you, you teach and, and you, um, host, uh, and you are on panels. If there is somebody out there that like, 
is listening to this and they're like, I, I really want to uh, talk to him. How do they get in contact with you? Like, what are some of the best ways to get in contact with you? So, of course, um, uh, there is a Twitter ha- handle at Deep Cobra, uh, which was my stage name for poetry. Um, there's also uh, Mervyn Deep Cobra Seawright um, on Facebook. Um, ways to contact me. Um, Mervyn Seawright on the Air Force Global is a very, very rare name. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> chances are you can also Google me. Um, I also gave you uh, my portfolio information. So if people want me to come in to do certain stuff, um, that includes a CV, body of work, and different examples of my work um, that are out there currently. Um, <coughs> I guess um, the stuff that I'm that I tend to do, and this is ongoing stuff, and it's really hard to capture some of these things in events. Um, I do a lot of mentorship. So there's several Air Force members that um, have become like family to me that um, they are always reaching out for advisement and stuff. Um, but I don't only mentor you know, military members. There's ones in the poetry community that I mentor or ones that aren't associated because um, that's one thing where my wife and I um, completely see eye to eye on um, how we help people achieve goals and how we help them move forward. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that I really wanted to touch even during this is the difference between um, or the, the concept of resilience or um, what I consider perseverance. And it's through the concept of um, rejection versus quitting. Mm. Quitting is one where you come to a stalemate. You... Um, decide to stay on a platform that you're not moving forward, therefore you're not growing. Uh, For me, failure is something that is associated to growth or rejection. It's still growth because you're moving forward. For me as a writer, um, I tend to get more than 100 rejections um, to journals every year. Um, But I get probably about um, 15 to 25 selections each year mm-hmm. but it's just like somebody on a basketball court if you never shoot for the basket you'll never score a basket mm. for a soccer player if they never shoot at a goal they never score a goal for me as a writer if I never submit I'll never be heard mm-hmm. and hopefully if people can get that from life that um, when you put in for something in life it's not something that you previously had mm-hmm. it's something that you didn't own um, so when you get rejected from it, what did you really lose? Mm-hmm. Um, you only lost, or you actually gained the ability of how to go for it in the first place. And it's when you do gain it, then it's something you own and you possess. But while you don't have it, you didn't really lose. So rejection really isn't something that you should wear or covet, um, the same as failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a society that believes in winning is everything, um, it's really about how you gain and grow and become more of this person that can actually make change for you, your family, and if you have the time to invest in others. So that's how I wanted to touch on perseverance. Oh, man, that's so beautiful. Yeah, resilience <clears throat> is like one of the biggest 
things that uh, you know what we're trying to focus on you know that's that's included in all the spiritual health and just holistic health as a whole um, you know I'm wondering as as we're closing on out on time I mean uh, this conversation has been so fulfilling and and uh, it, and that's why it's gone so quick I was wondering if you could f uh, share a few pieces uh, of your work with us as we as we close out okay so there's one in particular that I wanted to share called Ode to Faith. Because when you think of faith, is it something that you can grab a hold of? Is it something that you can touch? And it, some of us want to find that. So in my way, this is the way I captured that. A silent confidence. The childhood blanket that will not leave my side. The lullaby song of truth that trickles within river's blood, that creates a path that finds me. The adjoining spirit that moves as winds journey beyond sight, touch, taste, smell, and sound. It is colorful, it is precious, it fills tongue flavors, tickles nose hairs, harmonies, synchronizing the spirit's voice the second that each flower will bloom, even under dark shadows, light will find a way. It is the colors of morning sky and the painter that places the image to the heart's eye. It is the steps on water, destination realized, a single thread that will hold me up as a rope unravels past 80 pound fishing line a fish not caught, but given beyond worth. It is the feeling of falling freely in deep blue sky into the comfort of warm hands, free of mental labyrinth that entangles the distance beyond our eyes, free of the wordsmith's twists and to control the brain, free to understand where power is, knowing, feeling, Embracing, and the rest will come. Rest will come. Peaceful rest. Peaceful in man's volcanic eruption. All in the whisper's breath of faith. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, such powerful words that we need to hear in today's world where, again, where we're talking about different issues that are going about on top of the pandemic that's happening in our world, having that faith that, um, that we will make it through uh, together in community. Thank you so much for being here, Mervyn. Um, we will definitely share your information. Uh, any last words to give us? No, this, is, this has truly been a, a pleasure. Um, is interesting how we were able to cross paths. Um, I was told how amazing you are, and uh, I appreciate that and see that um, in the spirit that you convey. And um, and I just hope that you know all in this um, period that we've had to examine ourselves more because we're at home, we're around our families, uh, we examine those things that are closest to us. We examine even who we are in our lives. Uh, because we're looking at ourselves more in the mirror in an enclosed space. So, you know, what is it, not necessarily that you can do for yourselves, 
um, as I know for us in Europe, we're looking to travel, but in doing that, what can you look to do for others? So, amen. Thank you so much. And on that note, we'll call that a wrap for this episode of Story Wagon. I want to thank you, the listener, for supporting us and listening to this episode. And if you want, please follow us on any social media platform and type in Story Wagon. You can also visit us at our website, storywagon.org. And so, with that, this is Chaplain Jose Martinez wishing you good spiritual health.